all all your hard work, guys. For I know it, I know it's not easy doing this stuff, so appreciate it. Um, last last week we we were in Acts one at the end of Acts one at the beginning of Acts two, and we were we were talking about the fact that oftentimes as we seek God, He will show us next steps, the next step or steps of obedience. Um, who was here last week? Raise your hand. Most, most of you. Okay. Was there anybody here who, I'm not going to ask you what it was, but was there anybody here who felt like God showed you a next step of obedience to take? No? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's hope for that today then. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a lot of times. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. It's crazy what I have planned to, to speak on this morning. It's, it's like already coming up. I'm, I'm having a conversation with a young man this morning, and uh, man, it's, it's like I think that the Lord is wanting to say something specific to us this morning. But I'm going to be starting back at the very beginning of Acts chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, we have Bibles for you. If you want to slip your hand up, we'll get one to you real quick. Does anybody want a Bible? Uh, One over here, and you can take that home. That's our gift to you. Um, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read the first first 21 verses, and uh, that's that's what I'm going to try and cover this morning. And then we'll come back up to the top there. So Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and the visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. They're drunk. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And even my male and 
servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, that's a pretty cool story. And it's not just this, it's not just a make-believe story. This is true. This actually happened. And this is, um, this is for us. Okay, this is, this is our story. This this book, the book of Acts, is our story. It is the beginning of the church. And so the first thing that, I, that, I, that stands out to me here is that it says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came this mighty rushing wind. They weren't expecting it. It happened suddenly. And, and so it wasn't something that they knew was about to happen right then. God did this when he wanted to. It was in his timing. And, and, it, and it reminded me that you can't make God dance. He's going he's gonna to come, he's going to move when he wants to move and when it's the right timing. And we'll see that this was perfect timing. But they, they weren't aware of that. This was suddenly as far as they were concerned. There's other instances of that. In the book of Acts, in, in Acts 9.3, it says... That Paul, as he went on his way, approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Um, another place talks about Peter is sleeping in a jail cell and behold, an angel of the Lord stands next to him and light shines in the cell. And he's, he, he hits Peter on the side, wake up, get up, and the chains fall off his hands. So he wasn't expecting that because he probably wouldn't have been asleep. So that happened suddenly. And then in Acts 16, 26, it says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately... So there's a lot of people breaking out of jail in, in the book of Acts. And it always happens suddenly. The point is, you can't know exactly when God's going to move. He, you can't know. But that's why he just he says, But keep on seeking me. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. So, God will come when he's ready, when it's, when it's his timing. Um, the next thing that, that I just want to address here is, it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Um, I just want to, like, try and make that not seem so weird. I mean, if, if you're new to the Bible... This can sound so strange, like they spoke in other tongues. And I'm not going to lie, I mean, it, it, is, it is mysterious. I mean, I can't make it just totally, I can't take the mystery out of it. I don't want to do that. But I also just want to address it. And, and some of these other cool things that he talks about that the, the prophet Joel had prophesied would happen. Um, but tongues are just that. It's like another language. That God gives to someone to speak. And they may or may not know even what they're saying. Um, but, it's, but it's still that they are saying it. It says, they spoke in other tongues as the Lord gave them utterance. So the Lord gave them utterance. They spoke it. So it's not like 
they're being just like taken over and they, you know, somebody else is using their mouth. They are speaking, but God is giving them utterance. God is giving them the tongues. Does that make sense? Um, so it would be like all of a sudden you heard like French, you know, or Spanish in your mind and you could just say it, but you weren't even sure necessarily what, what it meant. And the Bible goes into more detail with tongues um, in 1 Corinthians specifically. Paul even says, look, he's talking to the church in Corinth. And he says, look, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. And, he, and there's one place he says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So, so this is not some weird. Sometimes we, we may see um, people take things and make them weird. But, they, but that doesn't mean that you should throw it out. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's tongues. Tongues are real, and they're from God, and they're a good thing. And um, we believe that everything that's in the Bible is real and is for us and is good, including tongues. So that's our stance on that. Um, It says, I'm going to skip down. Well, I just want to make mention, like, look at all the nations. Look at all the the people that are represented here. I mean, did you see that? How many different you got i don't even know if i was pronouncing them right i i was hoping that you don't know either so um so nobody would be laughing at me um but i i tried to pronounce all these different they're from people are from everywhere and they're in jerusalem because it's the festival pentecost and that's where they celebrate it so they but i just want to make this side note god loves the nations. He loves different races and tongues, different peoples and cultures, and he loves for his glory to spread globally. And and that's that's what happens here. Is that all these people from all over the world are in one city and they hear the gospel, and I'm kind of spoiler alert, I'm kind of giving this away but they're going to get saved. They're going to believe in Jesus. They go back to where they live. And, and so the gospel is just like, like that. It spreads globally. It's pretty cool the way God did that. So God has a real heart for the nations. That's another sermon for another day. But just wanted to mention it. I want to focus in on verses 12 and 13 for just a minute. It says, All were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they're filled with new wine. Here's what I want us to to see here. God is moving in this this instance. God is moving in a a big way. He He just fell on 120 people with the Holy Spirit, and he's starting the church. And, and when God starts to move, it, it draws onlookers. These people are, are all gathered. And when people come in and, and look on, you're going to have two categories of people. You're going to have those who don't understand it. They're amazed, but they're perplexed. They don't get it. But then there's going to be another category of people that they just decide to mock. They, they don't, they aren't amazed. They, they just are, they're just going to mock what God's doing. 
was, and I, I was having a conversation with a, a guy this morning. And this is happening. And he's telling me, he's like, hey, uh, you know, some of my friends, they were making fun of me for coming to Valley Town. And uh, he's like, yeah, they, they said they, they think that Valley Town's a cult because you guys have blonde hair. Um, that is ridiculous. And we can all see how ridiculous that is. Right? That, that is completely ridiculous. But that's not even the most ridiculous one I've heard. One time I heard people thought we were a cult because we had beards. And you know, at the time I was like, it's the wintertime. Everybody has beards. Like, who? Um, I've never heard a good, I, I've never heard a good reason. I mean, they're not even that creative to me. I, I, anyway. Um, there are going to be people who look on at what God is doing and they're going to mock. They're, it's going to happen. I'm sure that most of you in this room have heard it. You might even hear it from people on our team. Like people who are followers of Jesus. And you're like, what are you doing? Why are you attacking your team? But but oftentimes people just will mock because they just mock what they don't understand or they've got the wool pulled over their eyes. That's what Satan does. That's his job. He loves to just confuse people, to keep them blinded. And so here's the first thing I want to say. Just relax. People are going to mock. And you know what? That's never going to stop. As long as God is moving, that is never, ever going to stop. So just relax. That's my, that's my first thing. Is I'm okay with it because it just tells me that God's at work. And that Satan doesn't like that. That's all that, that tells me. So um, anyways, let, let's just see what the Bible says about it. I don't want to just tell you what I think. Um, I want to see how Peter specifically handles this situation. So you have those who are amazed and perplexed, and then you have those who are mocking. And, and it's important that we understand the difference in the two. Now, just because somebody has questions that they don't understand, they're perplexed, that is not the same as mocking. There's a difference. So just because someone is confused, they don't yet believe, you don't just throw them out. Like, they are questioning. And there's a difference. It's, let's make sure that we recognize that difference. So, it says that Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addresses them. And, he's, and, and let me show you how long he spends on the mockers. You ready for this? He says, These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Done. That's it. That's all, he, that's all the time he's going to spend on that stupid argument, that they're drunk. He's like, so, so what they're doing is, so let me put this into our modern day vernacular. A group of people walk up and they're like, What are these guys smoking? 
same deal. Like, what is, what are they doing? And they're trying to, they're trying to make fun. They're trying, and, and Peter gives them exactly one sentence of his time. He's like, let me just really quickly show you how ridiculous that argument is. We, we never get drunk this early in the morning. I don't know, actually, if he said it like that. I don't know if he was, like, making a joke back. But his point is, like, this is so ridiculous. This is so ridiculous. And then he just moves on. And then he begins to answer the questions of those people who are actually curious for answers. He moves right on. And he says, no, what you're seeing is, was uttered through the prophet Joel. He goes right past, he goes right past those mockers, and he's like, let For those of you who actually want to know what's happening, let me show you in the Bible what's going on here. So does it look like it really is is bothering Peter a whole lot? This is the thing with with those who are going to be hostile no matter what. They're the ones that tend to get all of our attention. Don't they? Squeaky wheel gets the grease. The person who's, who's like, really stirring things up, that's the one that you're focused on. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? That's the one that we, that's the one that we are always thinking about. It's like, oh, there's this one person or these, this couple people that just, they don't get, and all the time, I feel like sometimes God's going, what about all these other people who actually want to know? Why aren't you focusing on them? I mean, this is the way that Jesus taught. He, he sends out his disciples, and he's, he's, he says, go into all these different towns and preach the gospel. And when you go into a town, go up to them and say, hey, what's up? And which, which in there, that's, that's the way we would say it. They would say, shalom, peace be with you. That was their greeting. And if they say back, peace be with you, that if they accept you, if they receive you, then stay with them. Hang out with them in their house. If they receive you. You know what he says? He says, if they don't receive you, move on. Isn't that crazy? Because what we do is we're like, oh, I got to go. I got to keep going back to this person that's just totally hostile. They're just totally mocking. No, you don't. I mean, I'm not saying give up on them. I'm just saying spend your time. There's, there's, other, there's so many other people that really want to know. And so what I'm saying, what I think Jesus was saying was, there's only enough, you only have so many hours in the day. And there's plenty of people who really want to know the truth. You could fill all your hours focusing on them. And so, shake the dust off your feet. And go to the ones who are curious, the the ones who actually want to know. And just don't let it eat you up that there are people who mock. Because that's what happens when God moves. Can we... I mean, does anybody else see that God is moving here in this community? Man, it's just, it's so evident. It's so clear. And people are going to mock. So he addresses them with one sentence. Look, they're, these people are not drunk. So he, he moves right on and he says, let me just explain to you what's actually going on. There's always, 
whenever God does something supernatural, people will figure out a natural way to explain it. I love this story. There's a story in John 12. Uh, it's, I'm not going to read the whole story, but Jesus is speaking in verse, John 12, verse uh, 28. Says, he's speaking. He says, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. That's pretty supernatural. A voice comes out of heaven and says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there heard it and said that it had thundered. Isn't that funny? <laughs> They're like, that, that thunder sounded like it said something, but no. That was thunder. Right? That was thunder. Because we know that voices don't come out of the sky, so that was thunder. Because they hardened their heart. They just wouldn't believe. And so they hardened their heart. And they're, they're like, yeah, we heard that thunder. And, it, and they, But then some others said an angel has spoken to him. You, you know how much Jesus spends, you know how much time he spends talking to them about that it wasn't thunder? Not one word. He just says, the voice that has come was for your sake, not mine. He just says, you know, that was for your sake. He spends Zero words telling them that it was not thunder. That's how concerned he was with the mockers. Isn't that significant? Sometimes what isn't said is just as significant as what is said. And it, when, you, when, you go, when you look down even further in the chapter, it says, Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. Jesus did some really crazy miracles. Unbelievable stuff. Well, believable. But he does crazy miracles. And, and it says, and they still didn't believe in him. So he spends zero words trying to explain to them that it's, no, it wasn't thunder. I would be like, are you kidding me? You thought that was thunder? No, we can make it thunder. Make it thunder. If I was Jesus, that's what I would have done. But I'm not. Anyway, people are always going to blame miracles. They're always going to come up with some natural way to explain the things that are supernatural. And that's what's, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen as God continues to move here in this community. As God continues to move and people are seeing lives change, they're going to try and come up with a natural explanation. I'm just, I'm going to warn you in advance. That's what's going to happen. People are going to go, oh, well, you know, it's all the reading that they're doing or something. I don't know what they're going to say. So we focus on the people of peace, the ones that are truly curious, the ones that are actually inquisitive because if we just focus on them we could we could fill all of our time sharing the life of Jesus with them and you know what might happen as we do that some of those hostile people some of those mockers just might come around and be ready 
and want to hear and want to learn. Okay, so here's something I just want to point out. Remember to explain what God is doing based on truth. Not just, in other words, notice that, that Peter goes straight into explaining what's happening based on Scripture. He goes straight into, let me show you what's happening based on the prophet Joel. Instead of, so instead of just, if somebody's giving you a hard time about Valleytown, I'm just on that right now because of the conversation I had earlier this morning. Somebody's giving you a hard time about, instead of just saying like, no, I really like it. You know, it's really fun. They got good coffee. Instead, be like, no, I mean, I mean, God's really, tell, tell them truth. God's really moving in my life. He's really changing me. There's a real work taking place. Tell them, your, tell them your testimony. Give them your experience. Point them to the Bible. Take them to Jesus. And that's what we're going to see Peter do really quickly. So, so whenever, whenever possible, point them to biblical truth. Point them to your personal testimony. All right, so Peter starts explaining. So he says, look. Joel said that God said that this was going to happen. He said that in the last days that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh and that sons and daughters are going to... He's saying, look, sons and daughters, young and old, there's not going to be any category. It's going to be on everyone. God's going to pour his spirit out. And and he's saying, and when he pours his spirit out, there's going to be things like, prophecies and visions and dreams. And he doesn't mention tongues, even though they've all just been speaking in tongues. So this tells us this list isn't, isn't everything, right? This is not an exhaustive list. He says, he says there's going to be these things that, that are going to happen. And so then he goes on and says, in that age, in these last days that, that are being prophesied about, it's going to be like this. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So what's that talking about? Jesus. And, and at this point, Jesus has been crucified, taken the sins of the world on himself, been buried, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven. Now, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord is going to be saved. Everyone who puts their faith and their trust in Jesus and turns from their way of doing life to follow him, turns from their sins to follow Jesus, will be saved. And so, let me just, there's, there's some who would say, look, this stuff, this miraculous stuff, that was for then. That was for then, but it's not for now. Um, let me just make this point. It says that in the last days, this is what's going to happen. Meaning, last days. Like, there's not another dispensation that takes place after last days. It's the last days. Is that... So, not in the second to last days, God's going to pour His Spirit out, and then in the last, last days, then there's not going to be... God doesn't work that way. God moves from glory to glory. He's always, he is always increasing his 
fame and his renown in the earth. He is increasing what he is doing, not retracting. That's not, that's not how God works. So this stuff is for us, and it's real. So Peter has answered the questions of those who were there who were actually curious to know what was going on. We see that. Um, this morning, there may be some of you who are here and you are really not so sure about this. You're, you're not so sure about at least this miraculous stuff. Um, and that's fine. If you are truly inquisitive, you're in a good place. Um, if you're struggling with this, I don't know of a better way to kind of stir up your faith, increase your faith, than personal testimony. So I want to give you a, a, a personal testimony in regards to these things. And I don't do that in any way to, to like put myself up or put the spotlight on me or anything like that. Um, or even to try, I don't want anybody to like try and be comparing. That's not at all what I want to do. Um, but I just know that it's personal testimonies that stir me up the most when, when I hear of someone's personal testimony. Like, it, you could say, man, there's this hike that I've, I've read all about it and I went on this hike and it is a beautiful hike. I mean, it is, at least that's what I've read or that's what I've heard. I'm not going to give you, a, I'm not going to pay a whole lot of attention, but if you said, I just came back from this hike and it is phenomenal. I mean, these, and you tell me your personal experience, then I'm going to be a whole lot more interested in what you're saying. So anyway, I, I just want to just, there's a lot of stories from a lot of different people um, in this church who, who can talk about these things. But I just want to give you some of my own personal experience. Um, I'm not going to get into tongues. If you were here last week, Kathy actually told her her story about that. She had this powerful encounter with the Lord. And um, this was years ago. She went back to her house and was trying to pray. And every time she tried to pray her old routine, traditional prayers, these this other language was like spilling out. And um, so that was her personal testimony. It was really cool hearing her tell that. Um, so, some of you have heard the story of how God called us to Wilmington a hundred times. I apologize. But I'm, but I'm going to use that story just to sort of shed some light on, on a little bit of this prophecy and, and visions and dreams. Um, so back in... 2010 is when God started to call my family here. And the way that God called us here is, is really, really miraculous. Um, at the time, I was a firefighter and, um, and was spending the night at the station. And so in the evening, I'm, I'm reading my Bible and I'm reading in Psalm 32, 8, and it says, it says, I will teach you and instruct you the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. And at, and at the time, we were praying about where we should go, where, where God would want us to go to plant a church. So I, I read that verse, and, I, and it just like, it gives me this peace. Okay, Lord, this is your responsibility. You will teach me, it says. 
You will instruct me. I don't have to put this on myself. I just can just rest in you. And just as I did that, suddenly, I didn't expect it. I wasn't, I wasn't waiting for this to happen. Suddenly, God spoke to me. And he said, Wilmington. And so that is, in a sense, what prophecy is. Prophecy, the, the definition I would give for prophecy is when God gives a special revelation to someone that they would not know otherwise. And typically prophecy is God giving special revelation to someone for someone else's encouragement. That's, that is what, how prophecy works. Is God might give a, you know, a unique word of knowledge. There's you know, different ways that he could do that. But that's what prophecy is like. I um, called my wife. And from the station, I said, hey, you know, I found out where we're going. And she, that night, prayed. I didn't tell her where we were going. I said, why don't you pray about it? And she, that night, prayed about it. And the next morning, I came home, and I said, did you feel like the Lord said anything to you? And she's like, yeah, you know, I thought the Lord said something, and I Googled it, and it wasn't in New England. And we, we knew we were going to New England. And so she's like, it wasn't in New England, so I must have been wrong. And I was like, well, what did you think that the Lord said? And she said, I thought he said Wilmington. And um, so God had spoken to her as well the same night. Um, she just Googled it, and apparently it was like too far down on the search results for her to realize that there. Anyway. Uh, so that's what, that's kind of how prophecy works, just to sort of give you my personal testimony with that. Um, well, after God spoke to me and said, Wilmington, I'm sitting there in my, in my bunk, my Bible open, and I'm like, Wilmington? And I'm, I'm like, where is Wilmington, Lord? Where in the world is Wilmington? There's got to be more than one Wilmington. So I'm clo- I've got my eyes closed, and I'm praying, and he gives me a vision, and I see a valley. I mean, um, I didn't, maybe I didn't even know it was a vision. I just, at the time, I just see this picture very clearly of this valley. Uh, this is not something that normally happened for me. <laughs> so I'm going, whoa, okay, that's where it is. It's in a valley. It's, Wilmington's in a valley. And so that's how I was able to find out that God wanted us to, to move to Wilmington, Vermont, and not, uh, there's a Wilmington just outside of Boston. It's in New England. Obviously, um, that's not in a valley. So, um, so that's, that's how the Lord did it. So that's, that's it. I mean, it's not this, I wasn't like on the ground shaking, you know, it's not, it's not like that. It's not this weird thing. It's actually when God does these things, it's actually so very natural. Um, that you could, you could just, you could reason it away and be like, oh, it just thundered. Or whatever, you know. You could come up with a natural explanation. Um, so then we, we went through this training process. And it was a year later. It's time for us to, to move. And we had our house on the market. And 
Man, I was going to get Tiffany to tell this part of the story, but I guess she must be somewhere with Esther. Hey, you want to tell this part of the story? You're so much better than me. Uh, hey, so yeah, we were trying to sell our house. We had our house on the market and we um, had this lady come look at our house with her real estate agent and we didn't really know. It's almost impossible to sell a house in Atlanta right now. Um, and so this lady came she came and looked at the house, she left, and we didn't really hear anything. We didn't know if she liked it, we didn't really know anything. Um, and so a week goes by, and I think this was on a Saturday or a Sunday, and I had just decided to take a nap. I was just feeling tired. So I took a nap, and when I was asleep, I had this dream that this real estate agent had tried to call Ben and that this lady loved our house and she wanted to come back and look at it with her husband. But that Ben didn't know she had called. And that we were like missing this opportunity to sell our house. And so I woke up, my heart was just pounding. And I just really felt like this dream was from the Lord. And so I went and got Ben and I said, hey, I had this dream that the real estate agent left a message. These people want to come back and see our house, but we didn't know it, and we're, like, missing out on these people buying our house. And I said, I think you should check your voicemail. <laughs> so he got his phone out, and he had no record of a missed call and no voicemails on his phone. But this was before he had the fancy iPhone, so it was like you had to call your voicemail to actually check it. So he called his voicemail, and sure enough, he had a message from the agent that they wanted to come back and see our house. They were actually from out of town. So if they couldn't come that day, then it was going to be a while. I can't remember how long. Like two weeks. Yeah, like two weeks or something before they were going to be able to come back. Um, and they were out looking at other houses. So it was like really important that they come look at our house that day. And had I not had that dream um, and been not checked his voicemail, then we would have missed out on them coming back to look at our house. Yeah. So. Thanks. And they bought the house. Yeah. They live in that house now. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I, wanna do a, I wanted to tell these stories just a couple reasons. Just one, sort of take some of that like mysterious, that's just so strange and out there, out of it. I mean, she just lay down to take a nap on a Saturday or Sunday, whatever, and then God gave her this dream. And it wasn't, does that make sense what I'm saying? That it's like very normal kind of stuff. But you have to be realizing that God wants to do these things. Um, and sometimes we want to see God do more miraculous stuff and we're wondering why in the world isn't God doing more? Why don't I see him moving in more miraculous ways in in my life? And I want to look at the context of of this story here in in Acts chapter 2. What's happened here is that Jesus has told them, look, don't go, don't go until 
You receive power from on high. Don't go until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so they, they don't have a clue what to do beyond that point. So they're just desperately waiting for something to ha- for God to move. And 10 days, they've been just praying, just desperate for God. And, and he moves. So I noticed a couple things is that God pours out his spirit. He does miraculous things when we're, when we're desperate for him, when we are depending on him. Another thing that I notice is that he, he pours out his spirit. He does miraculous things for the sake of the gospel going forth. So if you aren't, if you aren't positioning your life to, in order to reach more people with the good news of Jesus, that could be a reason why you aren't seeing God move in miraculous ways. He moves here. He does this miracle at this point in time because... This is when it needed to happen. All these people are gathered in Jerusalem and, and they hear the gospel and 3,000 people are baptized. They, they believe and they go out and, they, and the church is born. So he, he does miraculous things for the purpose of spreading the gospel. So my point is that I think we'll see more manifestations of his spirit, more miraculous things if we have a heart to see his kingdom advance, if we are positioning ourselves in a way to, to further his kingdom, and if we are depending on him, if we need him, if we're desperate for him to move, there's a reason that Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. If your life is super comfortable, you probably won't have a whole lot of visits from the comforter. But if you put yourself out there for the sake of the gospel, if life is a little uncomfortable, you are depending on him, you're desperate for him, you need him, you are in a tough place, then you can expect the comforter. You can expect the comforter. So, if we want to see more of the Holy Spirit, I hope that you guys do. I hope that there's a hunger stirring in you. Hunger is a powerful thing. I hope that there's a hunger stirring in us. I, it's, it's definitely stirring in me lately. I mean, I just, last, last Sunday, I just, man, I, something is stirring. And I find myself just praying, asking God, just do, do big things. Do huge things for your glory. Meet with me in a, in a cool way, in a, I want to know you more. I want to know you deeper. I think it's time for us to start, to start hungering for more of him and, and moving toward him. He, he promises. He says, I will reward those who diligently seek me. That's his promise. Hebrews eleven six, God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he rewards us with more of himself. There's no greater reward than more of him. So let's get serious about Jesus and his kingdom. Let's get serious about asking him for next steps of obedience. I mean, if, if it's been a while since you felt like you've, you've heard from God, start praying that prayer. God, what do you want me to do next? 
What are, what are ways that I haven't yet obeyed you that, that you see in my life? That's a, that's a risky prayer. If you're willing to actually do what he, what he shows you. He might ask you to move a thousand miles away from your family. Start a church. Or he might ask you to start talking to that person at work that's really, you're, you're scared to death to talk to about Jesus. Or maybe go knock on the neighbor's door. Have them over for dinner. It might be really simple stuff like that. But start asking him. I think if we'll do that, then we, we will see God fill Southern Vermont with disciples of Jesus. He'll do it through the power of his spirit and the power of the gospel. You guys want that? Yeah, me too. Well, let's pray and... Um, and then we'll continue to worship. And, and again, like I think Joe may have said earlier, worship is another way that we, we meet with God. It's another way that we're, we're going to connect with Him. So, you know, try, think of it that way as you worship. Um, interact with Him. Interact with the Lord. Talk to Him. Listen to Him. Let's pray. Father... Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this time that we've had to look into your word. I pray, God, that we would not be discouraged by the, the mockers, by those that um, the enemy puts in our path to distract us. Help us to also remember that they are not our enemy. <laughs> those people who are mocking what you're doing, they're not our enemy. They're just a distraction. Lord, I pray that um, you would... Give us a heart to, um, to reach this valley, to reach our community, God, and, and to be positioning ourselves to see you move, that we would be dependent on you, that we would seek you diligently, Lord, and expect to see miraculous things. God, for those of us in this room this morning that are hurting, um, I just pray for special grace for them this morning. God, I pray for peace, that the comforter would come and comfort them. And um, you might show us, Lord, as their church family, ways that we can be uh, support and encouragement to them. And remind us to pray for them, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.